ladies and gentlemen. That's enough flat nut. This is Jeff Jarrett. Hey, it's the hardcore legend Mick Foley. This is Take the Stay Properties. Hey, this is Cody Rhodes. Hey, what's up, players? This is Teddy Dolan. I'm WWE Hall of Famer, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And you're listening to Wrestling with Ideals, tough guy. Oh! This is the greatest wrestling show on the planet. Taking you through the crazy world of Monday Night Raw and SmackDown Live are your rambunctious hosts, the man they call Gibby. Zach McGibbon. The Beast from BC. Alec Miski. The man, the myth, the legend. McGuire Forte. And primetime. Josh Primo. Now. It's time. To wrestle with ideas. Welcome inside the CKDJ studios for Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. I am the man they call Gibby Zach McGibbon. Alongside me is the beast from BC. He is Alec Miski. Alec, how are you doing, my man? Man, you know, I'd like to say I'm doing well. I'd like to say I'm doing well, but right now I'm trapped. Trapped with Hell in a Cell. Ooh, I like how you transitioned into that. I know, it's great. Actually, I thought the pay-per-view was pretty solid. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it looked incredibly overbooked from the get-go. Yeah. And they kind of found a way to bring it around. I mean, uh, the Rusev and Roman Reigns match, I thought was amazing. It was, it was a very good match. I liked it. You know, uh, I don't think anything going into it was all that well thought out, but the match was great. Yeah, I know. I saw people praising it, and I'm like, it's really not that amazing. It, the only And the reason why is because the roles are reversed. Yeah. Like, Rusev is fighting for his family, while <laughs> Reigns looks like the jerk that <laughs> that's going after him for defending his family. And he's babyface. I know. It's literally like that moment when um, Christian Slater said, like, you know, like, you know, I'm doing this for my family. I don't want to be here, but I got to do it for my family. And Brock Lesnar's like, I respect that, but I don't care about your kids. <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? Roman Chris, Reigns. Oh, Christian Slater. You mean Heath Slater? Heath Slater. You said Christian Slater. Did I say Christian Slater? I think you did. I think he's uh, one of actually, the, oh no, that's Damian Slater, one of the competitors in the Cruiserweight Classic. And I'm no, like, yeah. why are you bringing up a Cruiserweight Classic competitor from Australia? Because Christian Slater's like a B, not even a B-list movie actor anymore. He's fairly far down the... Yeah. Like, like D-list. Yeah, like yeah, about D-list. Yeah. Know? He he had his moments. Uh Broken Arrow. Broken Arrow. Yes, there you go. There we go. Oh, before before we even get into our Hell in a Cell review. Before we even get into it, I think we got to talk about uh what else we've got lined up for the show. Uh we got a huge star-studded show as well. In in time for Star Stampede. Uh this Say upcoming what? Saturday. Um yeah, so uh, we were able to get Wes Briscoe, who is the TNA Gut Check winner, and uh, he's he's currently working on the Indies. He's part of Paragon Pro Wrestling, and he's going to be making an appearance as well for Great North Wrestling uh, this Saturday, of course, as of recording this. And uh, but we also got uh, one half of one of the greatest tag teams ever, and I don't, and I think it'd be hard for people to argue that uh, we got Rick Steiner on the show. And uh, boy, was that an interesting interview. We essentially just go through all his time uh, in in wrestling. It, it was amazing. And he, uh, the best part will be, uh, he mentions that it's in Mont- uh, he's glad to be going back to Montreal. Yeah, because uh, he's going to be staying in Montreal before heading out to Hawkesbury, and uh, he he immediately uh, before we even got into the interview, he immediately talks about his time how Vern Gagne sent him to Montreal and uh, and had him work with uh, G- Gino Barino and uh, the Rougeau brothers, that sort of stuff. So if you're a fan of that old school wrestling uh, from the 1970s and 80s, you're going to love this. So, anyways, let's go to Hell in a Cell. All right, so Hell in a Cell. There's three things I want to touch on really really quickly one new day versus sheamus and cesaro yes finish was awful terrible Ter- like especially when new day are the baby faces yeah like well technically i mean they're they're, they're supposed p- to be like the face of the tag team division yes and just just ridiculous way it is like okay we're gonna have a dq finish it's like um i think it was Xavier was in the sharpshooter and he's yeah. tapping but oh no kofi hit sheamus so it's dq it's like oh great you kind of helped your team out by retaining the title by losing and i'm just yeah. like i what? It's these mental gymnastics that I just don't like. Like mm-hmm. it's a predetermined fight, so why do we have to have these rules and stipulations that are just going to make it so that the winner is not actually the winner? Right. Like it's just like I want. It's really confusing. Are they really trying to push the new day to set like a ridiculous record for holding the belt? I guess. Because have they uh, passed demolition yet? They have not. They're getting close, though. Yeah. I think I think they're at. <laughs> I think they're just past four twenty. 
Okay. Um, yeah, and there was what four thirty four four. No, I think there's. I think theirs is four sixty, um, like a little bit more. I, I I could be wrong though. They they've they've got a very lengthy uh, tag title reign. I don't know what they're doing. I think what's going to happen is after they beat Demolition's record, they're splitting them up. Yeah. Um. And uh, you can already see like that work together because like you know New Day is as much as they were beloved early on it's really starting to wane yeah and i well that's just, what happens when you're overexposed for a year on wwe television yeah so and it's and it's not like they've really changed stuff to make them bad they're still doing the same stuff but that's been the problem is they're doing the same stuff and people want something different and uh unfortunately it's hurting the new day and i love i really like all the members of uh new day like i especially like Big E. I think he's got the most potential out of all of them I, xavier's oh, yeah. xavier i think will be a fine mid-card guy but i think Big E has a legit chance to be in that main event scene uh, if they push him correctly um, but well, that's just that, like in the past, they haven't pushed Biggie whatsoever. Like he right. was part of the, um, I didn't want to say it's a stable, but he's with, uh, Dolph Ziggler and, and AJ Lee. Yeah yeah, yeah. 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 So they had like that going on when he was what I like to call his chalk Lesnar face. <laughs> Three ain't enough, man. He needs five. Yeah. He got the King Kong Bundy gimmick. Oh my God. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> but like, yeah, Kofi, I don't really see going anywhere after New Day splits. Like he's always going to be kind of a jobber tag teamer. He's not really going to get a glorified mid card guy. Yeah. Let's... Yeah. I mean, I, I, the, the one chance they had to put the title on him was when they had the original brand split with the world heavyweight championship. Yeah. And, uh, and he was in the elimination chamber, and I'm like, you know, give Kofi the surprise win. Let's change it up a little bit because Kofi was Kofi was over, and he had a, he had a following. And I was like, okay, well, why not put the title on him? I know he's not the best on the microphone, but he's a guy who's over with the crowd. He's an energetic babyface. He's he seems to be like there were. Uh, when I was before I turned into a smart mark, uh, I uh, when I was just getting into wrestling, I was just watching this. Like I remember uh, seeing Wade Barrett and Kofi Kingston being like, "Man, they're going to be champions soon, aren't they?" Oh yeah, boy, boy, how those things changed over the past couple of years. But. Yeah, especially with Barrett being one of the best mic workers. His in ring work, arguably not the greatest, but you know, that's, I thought it was. I thought his in ring was fine. I wasn't. Always, he was injury prone. That's kind that's of what that, I'm that's the at. thing. Yeah, that's true. I mean, he had good matches. Not like lights out four star matches, but oh, yeah. he's a guy you could put in and be like, okay, he can he can give you a serviceable match. Um, he certainly had the luck. Yeah, as one of the faces of the uh, the Nexus, he was yeah. definitely like noteworthy. Same with Heath Slater. Yep. Not, <laughs> Heath I just, Slater. I love Heath Slater. Bring back three MB. Make three MB great again. But he's no, doing well on his own as the SmackDown Tag Team Champion. He's doing well yeah. with Rhino. With Rhino. He's not on <laughs> Would you own. ever have thought at the beginning of 2016 that Heath Slater and Rhino are SmackDown Tag Team Champions? No. Wasn't Rhino like elected to Senate or something like that in He's, he's running, not for Senate, but he's running for a seat in a in a position of power. I don't remember what it was. But they had Kurt Angle in a commercial, and it was the best. You see, Kurt Angle's going door to door. He's like, so, are you going to vote for Rhino? And the guy goes, oh, well, I'm kind of undecided. I'm not sure. And he looks at him and he goes, undecided. <laughs> and he pushes him and puts him in the egg lock. Yes. And every time he twists it, he goes, vote for Rhino. <laughs> vote for Rhino. Vote oh, for Rhino. That's genius. It's it, amazing. That is amazing, amazing marketing right there. It's amazing. Um, so I hopefully Rhino gets it. Um, I think he's vo- he's going in as a Republican. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's not a bad thing to be a it's Republican. It's a good thing. Like, just let's just be honest here. Like, Republicans get a bad rap because yeah. of like the overarching thing. But we're not going to delve too much into no. politics. Here. We don't want to lose the American listeners. No, because we it, still love you guys. Because as everyone recalls, the battle of the billionaires ended with Trump winning. Yes. Yeah. Foreshadowing much? <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. A little bit. Um, so uh, let's also talk about the other Hell in a Cell match quickly before we head into a commercial. Uh, let's talk about Owens and Rollins, probably the best Cell match of the night. Arguably, yes. I mean, I thought the women's match on the whole was better up until the finish. Yeah. But the uh, Rollins and Owens match, just great. It, it was a it, very good match. Great way to have that feud kind of, I want to say culminate, even though you know it's, it's going to peter off over like the next couple of Raws. Yeah. But no, great way to do it because that leaves them a good bubble to set up something right. over the next like run up to the pay per view, so they can have some kind of storyline heading into the Rumble in yeah. a couple months. So, I I I'm 
I did really like this match. Um, I I even enjoyed the Jericho shenanigans. Yep, man, that everybody's been talking about. But the guy's been able to get a plant over, a piece of paper over, uh, it's over the yeah, word it's it, over. Like yeah, like, like this guy is just amazing at doing that. And I I'm gonna be so upset when he eventually because I believe. He and Fozzie are doing a tour very, very soon. Like mm-hmm. I'm assuming Survivor Series. Like people were saying that Hell in a Cell actually was his last, uh, um, I guess you could say, appearance for them for a while. Yeah. Um, but it looks like it's going to be Survivor Series. I'm just hoping that we can get this Jericho run till Mania. I really do. But if we could get, if 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 Jericho has some sort of retirement match, because he's 45, people forget, still in great shape oh, yeah. and still like still putting on some very good matches, but. Uh, if he wants to, I say have him end on a high note and have him retire at Mania. Yeah. Which I think would be the best time for him to go on a high, being able to be like, with all this stuff he was able to get over. Um, put, put the icy belt on him one more time. I get, make him a 10-time intercontinental. Make that his retirement match. Yeah. Uh, whoever Whoever is the... Uh, well, he'll have to go over to SmackDown for it. No, but, no, no. Have it be like, you know... But then like, again, Ziggler is uh, challenging a Raw superstar for the Intercontinental title at Survivor Series. So maybe you have... Uh, but Jericho's in the Survivor Series match. Mm, well, I'm no, sure. no. But like the thing is, this, like they... Having like one title stay with the brand is kind of ridiculous. Like the U.S. title should be able to transfer at a pay per view. Yeah, like one of the bigger ones. So like you could have like you know Rusev going like his like you know I'm the best, I'm the best. Like you know and Rusev carry, crush sort yeah. of deal. Yeah, and then that way like you have someone over at uh, Machka something. Yeah, like, <laughs> Machka something. But you have someone over at SmackDown like step up and be like, no, no, I'm gonna take that from you. It's mine. Yeah. It's my belt. You know, and then that's, that just happens. Yeah. Like, you know, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Maybe, um, who knows? SmackDown's got a great roster. Really? Baron Corbin. Baron, Baron Corbin is that roster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, so anyways, we'll take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk some more Hell in a Cell and maybe even delve into some TNA news. Because we got to talk about the crap that's going down with them it's uh, so hard to keep track of it really is i i will try to explain that as best i can after the break you're listening to wrestling with ideas here on ckdj 1079 any of your listeners that want to learn more about what i am up to because rest assured i, I may have uh, retired from mixed martial arts i did come out for the one match i also had with uh, ken Shamrock, but i have not retired in life and i'm still staying very proactive and uh uh, a number of different things, but uh, simply to bore you with details, just go to my website at dansevern.com because I am the beast. You are listening to Wrestling With Ideas. You better listen, otherwise I know where you live. And we're back. Wrestling with Eddie is here on CKDJ 1079, Ottawa's new music. I am the man they call Gibby, Zach McGibbon. Alongside me is Alec Miski, the beast from BC. Oh, yeah. Wow. I would not expect the beast from BC to go, oh, yeah. I kind of broke through the wall as a Macho Man Randy Savage Kool-Aid like guy. Like Shockmaster style? Or? Oh, my God. The shock. You just had to distract me with Shockmaster. <laughs> that is one of the best things that has ever happened in wrestling because it was so freaking bad. And, and if you, I can't repeat what British Bulldog said, yeah. but if you heard what he said, <laughs> it just makes it all the more better. Even better. And, and Sid just yelling, I don't care who you are! <laughs> <laughs> oh, I oh, got Great, just great. Before we get into the rest of the Hell in a Cell and talk about TNA, I just want to touch really quickly on Enzo and Cass versus Luke Gallows and Doc Anderson. Yeah. I think this is the first time that uh, Gallows and Anderson won a uh, pay-per-view match. Yes. Yeah. It's been a year. It's been a while. (laughs) Like, it's been a long, long time. They have not had a strong push whatsoever. No. They, they're being pushed as guys that are unbeatable, and yet they're beatable. Yeah. They, they rule Monday night or Tuesday night or Thursday night, depending whenever it aired, right? Yeah. And then it's just like, oh, hey, the pay-per-view's on. It's like, okay, you guys can win. It's okay. We, yeah. We'll, we'll win the next three, and then you can take the pay-per-view again. Yeah. It's like, it's, it was nice to see them win. It actually positions them as heels, and it kind of gives Enzo and Cass something to like do rise above. Because it sounds like they're saving Enzo and Cass for Mania. Yeah. They're gonna get a huge pop at Mania because it's in uh, it's in Orlando this year, and uh, Orlando's I think it's a seventy thousand seat stadium. Yeah, Ooh, just the amount of people that are gonna be chanting for Enzo and Cass. Holy moly, oh. that is gonna be huge. But uh, yeah, 
Doc and uh, and Anderson, or actually he's Luke Gallows now. I'm st- still thinking New Japan. Yeah, it's um, always going to be Doc Gallows. Yeah. Like, it's just, it doesn't matter. You can say Luke Gallows a thousand for, times. It was funny for the longest time. I think uh, Doc Gallows' uh, Twitter handle was at Impact Doc. <laughs> and even when he joined WWE. And so it was it was kind of it was mind blowing when when they were promoting he's like oh my gosh at impact doc and at carl anderson are uh, stepped into the wwe it's like impact wrestling is invading wwe oh no um but uh yeah they 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 they're uh they look like winners oh yeah definitely impact let's give them a participation medal like oh my goodness, they they deserve that blue ribbon of <laughs> blue ribbon of love, but no, like, let's just go it's right into little, TNA. It's got a little uh, you know bullet club sort Bull- of deal. Oh like, yeah, like it's got. A, it's, it's like it's, remember the good times. Um, oh my God, let the good times roll. But uh, yeah, let's go into the let's just go into the main event, Hell in a Cell, uh, for the women's match. That was a phenomenal. Match. It was very good like, until the finish. Yeah, that finish very questionable, pretty bad, but everything leading up to it, like the crowd was so into this match. Yeah, have a women's. Hell in a Cell match, first one ever, main event, like main event, the pay-per-view, that's just kind of unheard of. Yeah. And I really, I got to wonder, how much did Vince hate that idea? Because apparently the rumors going in was everybody wanted to do it except Vince. Of course, the one guy yeah. that we need to get this approval from. Oh, yeah. Um, but the entire locker room would be like, we want this match at the end. And Vince would be like, well, you know what, no. what I heard? I heard that they were planning to do, they were planning to have Charlotte do a moonsault from the top of the cell onto the announce table. Yeah. If they did that, I would have been like, Sasha would not have a wrestling career. <laughs> like, well, if, if she did move out of the way. Yeah, if she... Like, presumably, you move and, like, during those yeah. moves. You don't actually land on the guy. Like, that's a great way to, like, crush their spleen. But uh, thank the Lord that didn't happen. Because I think I would have thought, like... I, I thought somebody would have died. Um, because apparently, like, Charlotte especially had been pitching for it really hard. Mm. Like, really, really hard. Um, I'm not saying she can't do that move. No, no, no. It's it, just, it's risky as all hell. Oh, yeah. Like, you look in, in a, a cell. cell. <laughs> no, but it's like, you think back to, like, Mick Foley falling through the top of this cage and, like, just how just horrifying that was. Getting thrown from the top of it at the beginning, being concussed, yeah. and then still completing the match. Getting a tooth through his mouth into his nose. Yeah. Yes. Like, whew. Oh, like... Like, are- like at least with a diving elbow drop, you can actually see yourself going down and you're, there's no movement. With a moonsault, you're essentially doing a backflip from the top of the cell, and you gotta land that perfectly. Yeah. And understand where you're going. At least in midair, you can kind of adjust your body. With a moonsault, you can't overshoot it. Because if you overshoot it, you're screwed. You're gonna yeah. hit the. You're gonna hit the turnbuckle. Yeah, you're gonna hit the. Or turnbuckle. Sorry, or, or, or sorry, the hit, uh, like, the barricade. Hit, the barricade. Yeah, you hit the barricade. You hit the cage even. Yeah. Because like you know, like, you can hit you your spin head around like down. you could like just smack your head on the way down. Yeah. There's so many like risks to it. I understand why they didn't let her do it. Yeah. Like it, but what a spot it would have been. Oh my god. Um, oh. But I I will say this. Sasha Banks has got to tone down on her selling because she is not going to have she is not going to wrestle past 30 if she is going to sell like this. Yeah, because that's the one thing that annoys me about Sasha because she I, I totally understand the Eddie Guerrero and Chris Benoit argument that sort of stuff because those are her favorite wrestlers. Yeah, but and I don't want to sound dark or cynical, but they're both dead. You know what I mean? Like, and there's a reason why is because they took some of the hardest cells. Yeah. At, at, like you, especially at, Benoit. Yeah, Eddie's wasn't necessarily related to like the selling side of it. No, like, it was a heart uh, disease, I believe. No, that got him, but, but but look at the way Eddie sold, and look at the way Benoit sold. Yeah. They're. <laughs> they. You know what I mean? Ooh. Like, and and I saw the way Sasha was selling, and I'm like. Oh, like I, I really like I think Sasha's fantastic. Like she is great. But the thing is, is like the way I see Sasha right now is like I really do think this women's division has the potential to carry this company as something unique to them. You yeah. know what I mean, to make them to be a part of that era. You know what I mean? Like the golden era had Hulk Hogan and the Hulk maniacs, uh, like a huge fan base and seeing this one guy go through this superhero era. Uh, era. Then you had uh, like the heart, 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 heart the leading, leading a new era, a new era yeah. where where it's more based on technical wrestling 
and and putting on good matches. Then you go back to Austin where it was all about uh, the attitude, attitude, and, like the and flipping the bird, and flipping the bird, and against the authority. The, that the wrestling was still quite technical, yep. but it was more of a sideshow yep. style. Of and like then performance. and then and then you go over to uh, the ruthless aggression where it goes back to that wrestling aspect uh, with. With especially with SmackDown, then you've got Cena leading that era, yeah. uh, where it's the face back that to the runs kids, the place. The face that runs the place, as uh, similar to Hulk Hogan, and now and we're back into this wrestling era. There but was that brief stint of the summer of Punk as well that we have to the, touch on there. Yeah, yeah, the very brief that could have been revolutionized the company, um, but didn't. Well, yeah. it did for a brief moment, but didn't I, go anywhere. I think it had a greater effect on other companies outside. Of, yeah. Like They adopted kind of what happened, and then the w, uh, WWE had to kind of step back and realize, oh, we're making things worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, but I really do think this women's division has the chance to lead a new era, because they have the talent for it. Charlotte is definitely one of those uh, key figures in it. Sasha Banks. But I am still in under the firm belief, and people may laugh at me for this, but I am still under the firm belief that Bailey has the biggest potential to be the next megastar in WWE. I'm talking Austin, Rock, Hogan levels. I really do believe that. Because of the unique demographic that she reaches and the fact that she is a character and it is unique, WWE has not had anything like this before, and and just the simple fact that she's over with everybody mm-hmm. and she's just got something where I just look at her and I'm thinking, next big megastar. And, and not to take anything away from Sasha, but I look at her at that Shawn Michaels role where she wasn't necessarily a draw, but she, but you wanted her on the card in the main event to do the matches. Like people will always love Shawn Michaels. Don't get me wrong, and people will watch stuff for Shawn Michaels. Yeah, but people would rather watch Austin over Michaels, especially or, if it's or AJ Rock Styles over Michaels. versus Shawn yeah. Michaels. Yes, um, that, that would be a dream come true. It would that. be a dream come true. So. He's already taken no chin music. What happened when yes. he the sweet chin music? They have the talent there. Mm. They just got to utilize it. And, like, I think Emma's got great potential to do some good stuff if this Emmalina gimmick turns out good, which, God help us if it does. Um, <laughs> like, honestly, Alexa Bliss is one of my favorite wrestlers in general on the roster right now. She, she has her character na- nailed down. Uh I, I like Naomi. I think Carmella has room to improve, but she can get better. Uh, the I, only, the only, Dana Brooke needs to go back to NXT ASAP. Yes. The only detraction I can take away from this is there's no uh, flagship person to run NXT's women division, and I want yeah. Asuka to come up to yeah. the main roster. And they can't do that because no. who, who's going to do it? Like They don't have like Nia Jax down there anymore to just run a train through people. No. They don't have anyone really good good enough there that they can build up just yet and they don't really have anyone good enough in Raw that's like kind of floundering that they can send back there to do yeah. well. So it's like except really Dana Brooke. Except Dana Brooke. <laughs> Who doesn't deserve a title anyways? No. She does. She. I, I feel bad for her because I think her confidence has gone down because she was actually getting much better in NXT. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think her confidence has gone down because she's been making mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake and when you make mistakes constantly your confidence just goes down It's like you know what i not that good. So I really want her to go back to NXT so that she gets that confidence back and that mojo and swagger. Yeah. Not, not Mojo Raleigh or Jack Swagger. Um, but uh, just get that back um, and get herself going because I think she I think she has that potential to do some good stuff. She just needs to go back down to NXT uh, to do that. And I think Nia Jax can fill in her role just fine. Oh, absolutely. Um, so anyways, uh, we'll take another quick commercial break. Then we'll talk briefly about TNA. Then we'll bring you to your interviews. You're listening to Wrestling With Ideas here on CK. DJ, what a seven nine. Hey, it's the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and you're listening to Wrestling with Ideas. Listen and learn and wrestle with ideas. And we're back, Wrestling with Ideas here on CKDJ 1079. Ottawa's new music. I have the man they call Gibby Zach McGibbon alongside me is the beast from BC, Alec Miski. And uh, let's talk quickly about TNA. So what's What's gone wrong with TNA lately? Because I heard that there's a lawsuit, like TNA suing Billy Corgan, Billy Corgan suing TNA, and Corgan kind of, lost the lawsuit. He lost it. He lost. Oh good. He he does not have a controlling stake over TNA, and he is no longer involved with the company. So what are they doing for money? So what happened is Anthem, the owner of the Fight Network, yeah, um, has promised because what they found out is what Corgan was doing was actually illegal. 
uh, the loan stuff. Now he now they're not going to put him in jail or anything like that, but. It's it's weird because the way I look at it, it also feels like, and I'm not saying it is, but it's like it looks like to me, it's kind of a fraud situation mm-hmm. with TNA because there was an agreement, but uh, it shouldn't have been an agreement because it was illegal in the first place. But the court ordered TNA to pay back Corgan, um, and so far, I saw a report that they have not paid him back yet. Shocker. Um, again. I'm not sure if that if they have or have not, um, but Anthem has come out and said that they helped fund the last tapings for Bound, Bound for Glory and the Impact tapings. And the reason why they're doing that is because Impact is another big part of their programming on the Fight Network. Yeah, and, and they they don't want to lose like finding programming for something like the Fight Network is very yeah. hard. So Dixie's still no longer in charge per se. That's good, but. But they have somebody from Anthem, I believe, in charge now. And Aerolux also has a bigger stake in the company. Um, And apparently what Corgan was saying was Dixie Carter never told him that she was talking with WWE. And apparently even said she would never go to WWE for an offer, even though the day before they were literally talking to WWE about an offer. Oh, goodness. Dixie Carter needs to leave. She's so badly. She is going to screw over this company. She's she about as bad as Hulk Hogan. Uh, she's worse. Really? You think she's oh, worse than she's Hogan? Much, at least with Hogan, there were drawing periods. Okay, okay. I'll <laughs> you know give you mean? that. I'll give you that. She's with Hogan, worse you than actually Hogan. had money coming in. Yeah, at least at least Hogan brought in money. At least he was even a if, draw. Even if he took all of it for yeah, himself. If, if, if it's the contract he signed, right? Like, I don't blame Hogan for the contract he signed. No. Like, he just did what he thought was right, and unfortunately it was wrong. Oh, and terribly wrong. It like, was what, terribly wrong. He took, wrong. what, 20% off the, like, the gate? Yeah, something like that. Like, it, because they thought that Hulk Hogan was still a draw in 2016. In 20, sorry, in, well, at the time, 2010. But still, like... Like after the Monday Night Wars, where people were saying he was old during the Monday Night Wars, you know, like it's just. But I think Dixie just needs to go. Like she's she's at this point. Like I don't know how TNA is going to make money, and they lost their British television deal. They actually had a TV deal in Britain. Yeah, on Challenge TV. But the problem, and it's just. I don't know how this company is going to survive. I really don't. Like, they have to do a tour of India, and they still haven't done it. It's part of their deal with Sony 6. And the Sony 6 deal is their biggest television deal, technically. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I don't see what's going to happen there. I've kind of given up on TNAs. They're in millions of dollars of debt. They're just... It it boggles the mind, really. Like, And I, I saw that Mike Bennett, when it was announced Corrigan lost... It's like, uh, well, there goes the good old days or something like that, he yeah. tweeted out. And I'm thinking to myself, while I feel bad for him, at the same time, you signed the contract, buddy. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. But you know what was amazing? The timing of it. Um, Maria Canellis has gone out. Uh, Maria Canellis Bennett, sorry, has gone out uh, and said that she's leaving wrestling soon. And uh, that Davey Richards has announced he's going to be leave- leaving wrestling in 2017. Wow. Yeah. That's so. that's a big loss for them. Yeah. And just, so. just want to touch on this real, really quickly. Cody Rhodes versus Kurt Angle's coming up. Yeah, this, on what culture? This weekend. Yeah. Now, Is it on part? They're doing two parts. Well, no, it's all happening this weekend. Yeah. The way they have it set up is if you pay into their uh, What Culture Plus right, or whatever right. it is, well, you can see it all extra. at once. Otherwise, you get part one this weekend and part two next weekend. Yeah. So, obviously, I, part two, the good part, is going to be a week away. So, yeah. like, you know... If you don't pay that money, congratulations. All the smarts on the internet will spoil that match for yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, that's going to be a good match. They had a match for, I think it's called Next Era Wrestling down in the States. And it's actually pretty big. They get like 3,000 people sometimes for their events, which is really good. Oh, for, yeah. For, for an indie promotion that they call themselves. Um, but yeah, it's, it's good stuff. Um, so anyways, let's start going into our interviews now. Um, first up uh, will be Wes Briscoe. And uh, very nice guy. Very, very nice guy, uh, son of the legendary Gerald Briscoe. Um, and uh, again, this is all part of uh, what's going on with Star Stampede, which I'm involved with, um, doing the commentary for for that event. That'll be fun. Um, Just uh, live up to your JBL forefather. <laughs> well, Michael, <laughs> look at Renee Dupree, Michael. <laughs> we got a flying Briscoe. <laughs> we got a flying Briscoe, Michael. Um, that's going to be great. Um, 
I, I, I won't spoil them. Um, then, but, but who do we have after that? Because that's the one I'm interested in. We got Rick Steiner right afterwards. It's going to be great. Uh, it's going to be fantastic, as Donald Trump would say. Um, and uh, <laughs> so, uh, but we go through a lot. We go through the beginning during his time with the AWA, starting out with WCW, WWF. Yeah. Uh, ta- ta- was, was he in the WWF or is that No, no, no. Time? Wait, that was wait, way that before was his time. Way before okay. his time. Um, but also his time during the Monday Night Wars. Um, also talk about what came about uh, with him being split up from Scott Steiner. Well, they um, were dealings with Russo. Like him and Steiner were nine-time tag team champions, yeah. and but uh, Rick Steiner was a ten-time tag team champion. Yeah, and I don't think his brother Scott ever reached that level. No, no, <laughs> no. Everyone knows what's to know. Everybody knows what's to know. <laughs> um, so stay tuned. We got the West Briscoe interview first, then our Rick Steiner interview. You're listening to Wrestling with Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9 Ottawa's new music. This is Wes Briscoe, and you're listening to Wrestling With Ideas. Welcome back inside the CKDJ studios for Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9. Ottawa's new music on the line with me. We have a former TNA superstar, and he's going to be making an appearance at Great North Wrestling star Stampede. He is Wes Briscoe. Wes, how are you doing, my man? Good, doing great. How are you guys doing? Oh, I'm doing fantastic, and uh, hey, we're super happy to have you on. Oh, I'm super excited. I can't wait to be back in Canada. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Let's let's actually go straight into Star Stampede uh, going into Canada. What do you expect uh, in your upcoming matchup at Star Stampede? Well, what the people can expect is going to be a good old-fashioned fight, good old classic wrestling match, good old competition. So uh, let's get started here with uh, talking about your time with TNA. So how did that come about uh, with you joining TNA? Well, it all, uh, I got released from uh, FCW, WWE's developmental, and then I moved to Puerto Rico, and I was wrestling in Puerto Rico for Carlos Colon. And I got the uh, call to be uh, a part of this group called the Aces and Eights. And it looked like a really great opportunity for me, so I jumped on it, and it ended up being one of the best times of my life. And getting to mm-hmm. have a crew of guys that were truly my best friends, and we truly all hung out together, partied together. We were a great group of guys. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, how did they uh, approach you with that uh, Aces and Eight storyline? They kind of just gave me a call. They said that. Um, I had a look that they were looking for. They said they were looking for kind of a guy that looked like the guy from Jacks from uh, Sons, of, Sons of Anarchy. And they said that I really fit the picture, you know, a nice, good-looking kid in shape, you know, young. And they thought that, you know, I'd be really appealing to be like the young, you know, kind of like if the storyline was supposed to go on farther, I was supposed to be the big baby face out of the whole group, but they kind of all got jumbled up. Mm-hmm. And is that uh, what the idea when they put you with uh, Kurt Angle as part of uh, your debut uh, earlier on before the gut check program as well? Yes, that was all just part of the big storyline of, you know, it was all planned out. We had a huge storyline all planned out for it. So, you know, we got to, I, it was awesome to be a part of it to see, you know, a storyline develop from, you know, me just coming in. And then me finally getting a match for gut check, and then me finally turning on him, and then me finally having that steel cage pay-per-view match with him, mm-hmm. which was one of the greatest matches of my career, getting to be locked in a steel cage with Kurt Angle, Olympic gold medalist. I mean, can't do any better than that. Yeah, absolutely. And let's go further into that. Uh, how much was uh, Kurt willing to work with you to help you, uh, as, as you could say, uh, get over uh, in TNA and try and help uh, elevate you into a bigger star? Uh, Kurt was, he was fully, he knew my, he knew I was there to bust my ass. He knew I didn't want anything given to me, so he really took a liking to me. And I've actually known Kurt for uh, a while because uh, back when I used to amateur wrestle, uh, he used to be one of my coaches. He used to come down and do amateur wrestling coaches. So I've actually known Kurt since I was a little boy. And uh, so he was, you know, I was tied to his hip, and that was the best experience of my life, getting to wrestle him on 
house shows, every different, you know, type of venue. I got to wrestle Kurt Angle and really get to learn from him. And, I mean, he beat my ass. Don't, don't, you know, there's one night he gave me like seven Germans in a row. I was like, what are you doing to me? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We we all know Kurt is one of the more intense uh, wrestlers uh, out on the scene. Even even still now, you see him just being probably one of the most intense wrestlers we've seen uh, in the ring. Um, and continuing on that, uh, after Aces and Eights, did they tell you uh, what sort of storyline they wanted to work with uh, for you uh, after Aces and Eights? Yeah, well, it was supposed to be where we our group would break up and one group of us would be baby faces and one group would be heels and I would be part of the baby faces. Mm-hmm. So kind of similar to that uh, NWO back in WCW when they split off from the Wolfpack and the Black and White? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and what just came out of that? They just uh, Did plans just fall through? Did creative n- not have anything afterwards? What just happened after that? let go of the two main creative people that were in charge of the Aces and Eights, and when they let the two people go, the new person in charge didn't want anything that they had, so they scratched it, which we were one of the hottest, you know, we were pretty hot in TNA at the time. And uh, in terms of uh, the Aces and Eights storyline itself, uh, many people have different thoughts toward it towards it. Uh, what were your general thoughts about that storyline and how it handled out uh, for you? I, it panned out really good for me because I got the opportunity to wrestle a great group of guys, be on TV every single night, and just really just have a great group of friends that we actually all hung out together. We all travel together. We all share the same locker room together. We were just like a big family. And that was awesome. I wish it would have uh, last longer, but you know things happen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, how did the, uh, it come about where TNA announced that you were released from your contract? And how much of uh, I guess you could say notice did they say? Hey, we're probably going to release you from your contract. Uh, we were both kind of on the same page. Uh, they were offer me to renew me with just some stuff that I didn't like, and I just didn't. I just felt like. It was my time to go. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I, 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 I just didn't feel like, you know, there was really nothing more for me. I felt like the company was starting to really go downhill. And I just was like, you know, I think it's best off if I can uh, part ways, you know, mm-hmm. part ways in a good way. So. Yeah. And uh, so, and we're hearing a whole bunch of stuff now about TNA and their whole situation. Uh, does it really surprise you at all, the situation they eventually uh, have become uh, right now? Or is it something that's uh, you kind of foresaw uh, when you left the company? I mean, I saw it when I was there. Even when I was there, when we were doing good, I saw it. Mm-hmm. Just people with just bad management just don't know how to, you know, run a company properly. Mm-hmm. And, and how would you describe then your relationship uh, with Dixie Carter uh, in TNA? She was always nice, and I was always nice to her. She was, you know, mm-hmm. she was always a good person. Mm-hmm. Would you say she I really, was... I, I, re- I really have nothing bad to say about anybody. Okay. Um, and uh, so afterwards, uh, after the Aces and Eights, uh, you moved on to New Japan Pro Wrestling, and uh, what would what were your goals uh, when you entered into uh, New Japan? My goals was just to get over there and uh, have fun and bust my ass. That was one of the greatest experiences of my life, getting to go over there. And I did uh, three tours over there, which was really, really good. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, I love that style of wrestling. I love the hard hitting, the intensity, the long matches. I really enjoyed that style of wrestling. Mm-hmm. And and who would you say is probably out of all the competitors in Japan? A lot of people when they go over to Japan, they have that one uh, competitor that they really uh, mesh well with. Was there that guy uh, in Japan that you really meshed well with uh, when you wrestled him? I I kind of mesh well with everyone there because I kind of had this. They're kind of similar style of background of amateur wrestling and uh, martial arts. I kind of already had that background, so I pretty much meshed well with everyone. Mm-hmm. And it was it was it was one of the best times ever. I love I love it over there in Japan. Mm-hmm. It's definitely one of the greatest 
for a wrestler, you don't get to work Japan, you know. You try to get out there because it's, it's a mecca for wrestling. Mm-hmm. And uh, coming after uh, Japan, uh, you've been working on the independent scene. Uh, recently, you've been wrestling for uh, Paragon Pro Wrestling. Uh, and how would you describe your experience uh, there so far, uh, being able to work with uh, Jesse Sorensen as well, who's also a TNA alumni? Uh, Paragon's been really good. We have a really good group of talent from Jesse to Caleb to Gangarel, uh, Alex Chamberlain, uh, Mike, uh, Matt Stryker's behind the scenes. You know, we got D'Lo Brown behind the scenes, Sid Bodie behind the scenes. You know, there's a good group of people out there, and uh, I really love uh, Wrestle for Paragon. And right now, me and Jesse are the uh, tag team champs, and me and him really mesh well together. We're like best friends, so we're out there just killing it. Mm-hmm. And uh, where do you see uh, Paragon going uh, in the future? Uh, we've already seen that they've got a TV deal to work with. Uh, where do you see Paragon uh, growing into as you go, as you stay longer with that company? You know, there's talks about getting TV over in Europe, and then, you know, hopefully we'll start getting on a uh, better channel. Mm-hmm. You know, that's all what we need is just get on a better channel so more eyes can uh, see the product. More eyes that can see the product know that, you know, even from the vignettes to all the backgrounds, everything is done really, really well for Paragon. Like, everything's done, you know, top of notch. And that's a big thanks to uh, Jared and Huda and the production because they really bust their ass out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, moving forward with your career, uh, you've already been uh, with WWE as part of their FCW uh, developmental territory. Uh, do you see yourself being able to get back in WWE and uh, possibly working NXT? Yes, I mean, that's the main goal. I just got back from, uh, I spent a month and a half over in uh, Europe from the U.S wrestling over there and uh, I'm going actually back out to Europe in the uh, end of January but uh, there's talks of me uh, hopefully being back in WWE really really soon mm-hmm. and uh, going back to uh, Great North Wrestling uh, what made you decide uh, that you wanted to wrestle uh, for uh, Great North Wrestling uh, here in uh, Ottawa well first of all for the great people of Canada I mean I just want to be out there and enjoy the beautiful countryside. And I'm just really looking forward to it. They have just such a great group of talent and guys. And I've seen the show, the productions of the shows, and I'm ready to go down there and tear down the house. Mm-hmm. And uh, you are scheduled for a two out of three falls match with Nathan Banner. And Banner uh, also has... Uh, uh, some experience in Japan wrestling for pro wrestling uh, one uh, zero one sorry and uh, so how how much uh, do you expect uh, those different styles of you working in Japan and him working in Japan uh, really meshing in your two out of three falls match there? I think it's going to be really good and uh, I'm not going to lie to you I've already uh, been scouting my opponents I uh, I always scout my opponents before I uh, be able to work them and I think we're gonna we're really gonna tear down the house. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. I'll see you at Star Stampede uh, this upcoming Saturday, uh, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, looking forward to it. Welcome to the Dog Pound. Hey, everyone, this is Rick Stoddard. You're listening to Wrestling with Ideas. Welcome back inside the CKDJ studios for Wrestling With Ideas here on CKDJ 107.9, Ottawa's new music. I am Zach McGibbon. On the line with me, he is known as the Dogface Gremlin. He has been a part of one of the legendary tag teams, the Steiner Brothers. On the line with me is Rick Steiner. Rick, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Hey, it's great to have yeah. you on the show, and uh, it's great to have you on the show and uh, getting things set as we uh, prepare for uh, Star Stampede. Yeah, looking forward to it. It's been a while since I've been in uh, or been back to Montreal, so I'm a little I'm looking forward to it. And uh, 
Is it colder? <laughs> well, it started it to it's it started <laughs> to snow a little bit, so uh, you may just have to uh, bundle up a little bit. But uh, damn, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to bring some extra clothes, ain't I? <laughs> yeah, well, just a little bit, just a little bit, Rick. And uh, but, right. but uh, let's get things started right away. Uh, let's just talk about uh, your time. Uh, we were mentioning uh, off the air. Uh, you actually uh, went down to Montreal uh, after Vern Gagne sent you. Uh, can you just describe your experience there? Well, um, I went to camp, you know, with Brad Rankins, and then they sent me sent me and another guy, Tom Zink to uh, Montreal to work with Gino Burrito and Dino Bravo with the company they had uh, in Montreal and, and actually lived lived there for like, I think it was around eight, nine months. And then uh, we lived in the Italian side of town and uh, um, I, I'm trying to think some of the guys, Sailor White was there, there was Sunny Warcloud, uh, of course, uh, uh, Gino Burrito Jr. And then, of course, you know, Dino Bravo was there every now and then, of course. And then there was Jacques Rougeau. And then I can't remember what his older brother's name was. He was there. And so there was a few guys, I, you know, I end up. Uh, I, I even think back then when I first started, uh, the Samoans, uh, the Samoans were there. Mm-hmm. And uh, even Haku, I don't know what he was called back then, but even Haku was there for a little bit when I was there. So, yeah, it's, it was a uh, shoot, man, it's almost 30 years ago or even longer. Mm-hmm. Man, oh, man. And uh, let's let's go. Yeah, it's been a while. Let's let's go deeper into uh, the AWA. How were you introduced uh, first off to Vern Gagne and the AWA? Well, um, I was I graduated from Michigan, and uh, I was sub- I graduated and was teaching school, substitute teaching, and just wasn't really making any money. So I called my coach back up at Michigan, and we asked him if I could do some of the wrestling camps um, there, and, and I made pretty good money there when I was there. So he let me come back. Well, so I'll make a long uh, I'll make this long story short. He uh, we went to a, a motivational talk that Bo Schembecker put on for uh, Michigan high school football coaches. And one of the coaches there was George Animal Steel. So my coach introduced me to George Animal Steel, and we got to talking, and they kind of said, you know, you ought to get in professional wrestling. I said, nah, I don't want to do that. So we talked a little bit more. We listened to the, the thing, uh, you know, the, uh, the the speech, and then we laughed. And about two weeks later, he said, well, that when we were leaving, he said, you know, if you ever get, you know, if you ever think you want to do something like that, give me a call. So two weeks went by, and I, you know what, I wasn't making any money. And I said, yeah, I'm going to give this guy a call. So I called up, uh, you know, George and, and talked to him a little bit, and he gave me Burns' number. I called Burn and Burn told me to send out a resume, send a resume, and then two weeks later, I headed out there to go to camp with, I started off with Eddie Sharkey, and then um finished up with brad rangans mm-hmm. very cool stuff and uh yeah. how, how would you describe the training i've heard uh from other different uh wrestlers in terms of the training uh to become a wrestler how was it uh during your time when you were getting ready for the awa well for me being a college wrestler amateur wrestler it wasn't you know because it was you know it was, it was a lot like practice other than learning how to you know take falls in the in the in the ring and and hitting the ropes other than that it was it was the conditioning and you know preparing for it was a lot like just the amateur so i you know hell i had just graduated from college so um it, i mean it was tough you know we did a lot of running and 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 everything else in the ring and hell there i don't went home every night probably with bruises on my ribs or bruises somewhere from just not landing right or doing something wrong and so I don't know. It, you know, it was a learning experience. I I enjoyed it, and shit, I was young, so you know, hell, I was able to <laughs> recover and grow out of it. But it, it was all learning for me. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And uh, how did it end up uh, with you becoming a tag team uh, with Scott? Well, let me see. I from Montreal. Um, Jack Lanza, uh, I went back to Minnesota, and then Jack Lanza made a call to uh, Bill Watts. And then uh, I went down to the Mid-South uh, company down in Louisiana for work for Bill Watts. And um, let me see, I, I worked there for Bill Watts for, I think, a year or so, and then Bill sold the company to uh, uh, 
Crockett's. And then I was with the Crockett's for a year or so, tagging with Sting and doing that. And then once Turner or once Crockett sold it to Turner, see, towards the end of the Crockett's, uh, we started the Varsity Club with me, Mike Rotunda, and Kevin Sullivan. Well, then we were thinking about bringing my brother in to do that. Well, then he ended up selling it to um, um, Ted Turner. And so after that, Dusty, you know, continued to be the booker, and then we ended up bringing my brother in uh, after Ted had bought it. <laughs> and uh, how would you describe your first run uh, with WCW before you joined the WWF in the early '90s? Would you describe it as uh, an enjoyable experience, uh, hard hit, uh, a rough experience? Uh, how how would you just describe it in terms of uh, opponents you faced and the matches you had? Um. I mean, it was. A, I enjoyed it. It was a great experience. You know, it was a new company for for Ted. He treated us great. You know, um, it, it was a it was it was a new company. So, experiencing new things. You know, it wasn't established. Old things set in a way. So we, we had a little more uh, longitude to get things done and and get do things and other things and try new things and stuff like that. Because you know they were just starting this new company. <laughs> You know, I I really enjoyed it. I mean, it was WCW was probably you know the best company to work for, uh, being in the business back then. Um, you know, just with the family orientation, the way Ted uh, you know used it with TNT and Turner Home Network and everything like that. We were home a lot, and, and uh, he just kind of geared it towards the family so we could be here in Atlanta and so I, I really had a good experience with it mm-hmm. now nearing the end uh, you there were some issues uh, that were brought up with Bill Watts um, how would you describe first off uh, your relationship with Bill Watts uh, before you left WCW and uh, do you do you still uh, keep in contact with him at all or have you just kind of moved on from it no I mean I always got along with Bill and I guess the deal with Bill Watts was my brother and Bill uh, didn't see eye to eye. Um, you know, I I was actually I could have stayed if I wanted to, but I wasn't. You know, I, I was gonna whatever my brother was gonna do, we were gonna stick together. So um, I never had a problem with Bill, and, and Bill and I still talk to this day. He's down in Florida, and uh, I still see you know his boys every now and then. Um, one of them lives here in in Atlanta. So, uh, you know, I still keep contact with them, and and we still have a good relationship. Mm -hmm. And uh, moving over to the WWF when you were wrestling for them, uh, how much of a different atmosphere was it when you moved from WCW uh, to that WWF environment under Vince McMahon? Well, Vince had his way of doing things, and... um, there was a little. It was a lot more competition. Uh, guys weren't, you know, there weren't the guaranteed contracts um, that Turner had, and so the pay structure was different. You know, the guys were different. Everybody was worried about their position and job, and and uh, a lot of animosity going on. There was, you know, it was just it was just a different you know business structure that Vince had. Um, you know, you can't fault him. He's a billionaire. He he's got a successful company there, so. It, it was a different environment. I learned a lot from it, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I guess in life, that's all you can do is learn from some of the things you go through. And and uh, I did. I, I had good experience. You know, met a lot of new guys I'd never met before. Randy Savage and some of the guys like that. So it, it was that was it was a great. It was just a different experience, but it was all good. Mm-hmm. All good. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, and uh, moving on from it, going back uh, when you uh, returned to uh, WCW, uh, you were there as, as when really wrestling had its last real big uh, boom period. Uh, could you just describe overall that feeling of being a part of such a big uh, period in wrestling uh, throughout that era? Well, when we come back into it, it was just the NWO was just you know in his infancy period. And, we came back and we were getting established back into the thing, and then you know they brought Scott Hall and you know Kevin and Hulk and did the NWO and it just exploded. Um, it was it was really kind of cool, you know, to be involved with you know it, it was already a national recognized company in, in entertainment, but now it was other 
I mean, football teams and baseball teams, everybody was acknowledging, you know, the NWO and WCW and, and just the wrestling entertainment business. I mean, we were, um, I don't know if you remember that, but hell, we were having movie stars come in and wrestle um, and being part of the show and basketball players and Rodman and just all kinds of different things. People were just wanting to be a part of it. And so it was, I mean, it was a great time. I mean, you couldn't go anywhere without being recognized. And and so, you know, hell, we, you know, my, my brother and I, hell, we, we, we enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Every minute. Oh, and uh, I was, I was just going to mention uh, with your brother, uh, who came up to you with the idea of uh, wanting to split you guys up and have you go on singles careers? Was it Bischoff? Was it somebody within uh, that creative team and WCW? Uh, who was the guy who came up to you and said, we're going to split you guys up? Well, yeah, it was it was Eric. Um, I forget where we were on the road. I think we were in Canada somewhere. I'm not or in Oregon. And he just called us up to his room in the hotel and kind of sat us down and had the idea we had. You know, we had been in the business now for I think about ten years. Been a team, wrestled everybody, um, and he just seemed. Uh, you know, Eric felt like uh, we need to take the next step and check. You know, on being singles and. We had already done the single thing. I had gotten injured. My brother was, you know, doing the end or thinking about the NWO thing. So they brought us up and went over it. And you know, it, it was time to do something. It's always good to change. Uh, you know, it, it ended up working great for my brother. He ended up kind of changing his gimmick a little bit and blossomed out. And um, you know, and I kind of changed my my deal a little bit. And I mean, it was all good. Mm-hmm. You know it. I thought it was fine. Yeah. And uh, moving on, just, oh, uh, do you want to finish that just, thought it quickly? Was, it was just time. Yeah. Okay. And uh, so uh, moving on from that, uh, when Vince Russo initially joined uh, WCW back in uh, late 99, early 2000, uh, what was the initial reaction within the WCW locker room after you know WCW had been going on a bit of a downfall uh, during that 99 period? Well... I think there was a lot of skepticism up because, um, you know, he'd been coming from Vince, and, and they brought him in, and nobody was, nobody knew uh, he, he didn't really have any credibility other than, you know, supposedly he had come up with the Steve Austin gimmick, and so you know, for us guys that had been in the business for a while, it was like you got to show me more than just one guy, and you know. I, you're always skeptic about a new boss coming in, whether he can do the job or not. And I think everybody was skeptic at first, and then he kind of favored Jeff Jarrett and some of that, you know, some of that entourage that was going on there. So everybody, kept, you know, we we kind of kept him at arm's length, um, questioned a lot of stuff that he wanted to do, and you know, I guess it all didn't matter because. 2001 it was over yeah and uh how would you describe your relationship uh with vince russo uh did you meet eye to eye in terms of your creative in terms of creative decisions or uh was there a lot of uh arguing about where you wanted to go uh well, how would you just describe your relationship with vince russo well, i never really had one um he come in towards the end there uh him and my brother got along great um, I never really had a lot of dealings with him. Some of the ideas he had, I didn't agree with, and I just didn't do them. Um, you know, um, you know, like uh, there was no arguing or anything like that. I just didn't agree with some of it, and if I didn't, I just went to Eric. And uh, you know, there was a, there was a lot of crazy stuff going on towards the end there with Russo and Jarrett and Hogan, and so there was a lot of other turmoil going on with that whole entity and I just kind of stayed out of it and did my job, you know, just kept my nose clean and did what I thought was right. And that was it. And uh, one last uh, quick question. I want to ask about uh, TNA. Uh, You made a couple of appearances for them Uh, with what's going on with their company right now. uh, How would you describe uh, your experience uh, being with TNA? I mean, it was a brief experience with them. I, I went in with my brother. We wrestled, you know, Sting, you know, called, you know, I guess called me up and had me come in, and my brother and I got together, and we wrestled with, uh, 
Hell, their names slipped my mind. What were the guys' names? Uh, when when you were with Sting, or no? When I was with my brother, we wrestled. Uh, hell, I can't remember the guys' <laughs> names. Dudley Boys. Dudley Boys. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the Dudley Boys. So. I mean, I got treated well. I was only there for, you know, a few months, I think six, eight months, um, and went through that program with those guys. Um, at the time, you know, it was they were on top. Um, so, I mean, the, the company, it was different. It was different surrounding. It was down in Disney. Now, we've been in Disney before. So, it was coming back to the same building, same kind of area and everything. But just a different environment with... Um, having somebody else run it. I think Dixie was yeah. there and a few of the other people were there. So I didn't really, you know, at that time, you know, I was, you know, getting get, getting older and wiser. And <laughs> so I just kind of did my thing, do what I was supposed to do and went home. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. Well, thanks again, Rick, for the interview. And uh, can't wait to see you at Star Stampede. Sounds good, boss. I look forward to it. You have just listened to the greatest wrestling show on the planet. If you want to listen to older episodes of the show, including full interviews, make sure you check out Wrestling With Ideas on Podbean and on the Podbean app, or listen to us on our new SoundCloud page. We can also be found on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and many more. Make sure you keep on tuning in every Thursday at 6 p.m. to Wrestle With Ideas.